Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. Are you in the mood to talk about failed love? No, I'm already embarrassed. (laughs) So it's February and, you know, everyone is talking about romance this month. And we figured why not take this topic to new embarrassing heights by talking about the failed romances of our lives, specifically of our early days. And I think it's safe to say all of those romances failed since we are not, you know, married to any of the people that we had major crushes on in uh, elementary school or middle or high school, right? I I actually would love to hear from anyone who is married to a crush from, let's say, sixth grade or lower. I'm sure we have a listener out there. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. yeah, Yeah. And there's lots of people who marry their high school sweethearts, but that would be actually amazing if you are currently... Uh, romantically involved with someone you've had a crush on since earlier than sixth grade. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> I I would too. It, it's funny. I was saying, you know, we were trying to decide like whether we should use real names or not. And I just stuck with first names for elementary and no names at all for high school because I'm Facebook friends with most of my high school crushes. And, you know, I still run into them from time to time. I don't live that far away from where I went to high school. But I'm even Facebook friends with one of my elementary school crushes that I'm going to talk about today. So I kept it to first names only, um, although in my mind, the first and last names are like, they're just linked. Yeah. <laughs> like I can like, never, you know. Yeah, they go together. Yeah. Well, and you moved, right, after elementary school or a couple times in junior high, whereas I, we were talking about this before we recorded, I went to high school all the way through junior high and high school through the same public school system. So Unless someone moved away, my elementary school cr- uh, crushes were still s- floating around somewhere in high school, and I moved back to my hometown this summer. So I, I may be very anonymous. I feel, I feel a little bit like someone could be listening or a friend. Yeah, you're the one. Like, the, yeah. I, I actually might send this episode to the the boy that I was really good friends with in like fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, and just let him listen because I think he would think it was really funny at this point. I mean, I haven't seen him in thirty years. But you're right. I moved away. Like I moved when I was 12 from that district. Right. Um, and never went even back to visit, really. So like have not seen this person now in 30 years. So to me, that's funny. Whereas if it was someone I was in high school with that I just ran into at a reunion like a year ago, that would feel a little too close it's to a home little, me, so. a little cringy. And with <laughs> siblings, too, like I definitely yes. know people where I still know their siblings or maybe my brother was really good friends with one of the, like, it feels a yep. little, I, I, I might have to use code names. We'll see. It'll be spontaneous. That's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Okay. Well, before we take a break, um, let's just have like an open, let's set the stage, right? Okay. So I want to hear, and I'll go first on this one, but first of all, what age your first crush was? And then were you the kind of little girl, Sarah, who easily formed romantic attachments? I know some girls are boy crazy. Some girls are specifically crazy for like certain people and have those romantic crushes like 
that last a long time. And some just don't really seem to care um, about romance at all. So I will go first. I was quite precocious uh, in this (laughs) regard. So I very specifically remember getting in trouble for chasing boys on the playground in kindergarten and threatening to kiss them. And then I think if I caught them, I just like threw them on the ground because there was no way I was actually going (laughs) to kiss them. And so that's my earliest memory. But then my mom told me um, when I was like 20 that when I was three years old, I got caught more than once sneaking out of the house when I was supposed to be napping to go visit my friend Billy down the street. I was sneaking out (laughs) to go visit a boy when I was three years old. But like, I guess I was never like the flavor of the month kind, right? So I liked um, boys, apparently from being like a toddler on. And I always had a major crush. Um, But I was a really late bloomer when it came to doing anything about it. I didn't date much in high school. I was really bad at flirting. I I think I still am. Um, I was kind of afraid of anyone actually touching me. So when it came to like when actually people started having legit boyfriends, that's when the whole thing fell apart for me. Because I was like, oh, no, no, no. No, this is not. I don't don't want them to touch me or anything. I just want to like them, right? And so then after that, it kind of became, well, actually the whole time, I was always the girl who would fall for my best buddy. And then I would just, you know, slowly languish in agony because most of the time, either they didn't feel the same way back or like I did not know how to to pull that out of them. Like right. there was just, it was like ships passing in the night. So I had a lot of like unrequited love or, or seemingly unrequited love, which maybe if I'd had more game would not have been unrequited. Have been requited. Yeah. But, but yeah, is that, I guess that's the word, right? But that was the story of my life. Um, yeah, basically throughout, well, most of it. <laughs> so what about you? I love this so much already. Um, it occurred to me just as we launched in that usually in a more than mom episode, we take a quick moment to let people know that this is a parenting show, but every other Sunday we drop <laughs> an episode that's not about parenting. So we forgot for yes. the for the two of you who just happened upon this episode as your very first one. Welcome. This is the mom hour. You are in the right place. And our more than mom series tends to be about things like this. So moving on. Um, I also had lots of crushes. I, my first memory of a crush is in kindergarten and we moved to Santa Barbara halfway through my kindergarten year and his name was Eddie and he left, I think after that year, which is the only reason I'll say his name. And I don't remember much, but I was new to the school. I didn't know anybody. And I found a crush right away. And I think he was very like boisterous and maybe even got in trouble a little. Um, so he was like a larger, like a class clown type of personality but my mom tells a story of a little boy who had a crush on me in earlier than this. So we moved when I was in kindergarten. Before that, we lived in Oregon and I was in preschool. And there was a little boy who built me like, I don't know, my mom always corrects me in person when I get stories wrong. So now I'm like, like, now I'm like, okay, she's going to tell me <laughs> next week that this is wrong. But my memory of the story is that he kind of built a big contraption. Like he was in the wood shop with his dad. We're like four. And like nailed a bunch of boards together and painted them. And it was like big. I'm like dying. This like, is so adorable. Like as big as like a, a small child. You know, if you picture just haphazardly nailing yeah. a bunch of boards together and then slapping some paint on them and then brought it to my house and gave it to me. And my mom says that I was like, had no idea what to do. Like, oh, thank you. Oh, and I'm sure his mom was like, goodness. he made this for Sarah. So I don't remember that as well, but I do remember having crushes for sure from kindergarten on and later in the show, it will become a recurring theme that I really had one crush from like first grade through sixth grade <laughs> with a few, oh my with a few deviations. So to answer your question, like I definitely locked in on a crush. Um, but as you were talking, I thought about, um, I think I often was the buddy whose buddy had a crush on me. Does that make sense? Like you fell for your guy friends. I think my guy yeah. friends, not every time by any means, I'm not trying to like put myself on a pedestal, but I think it was more likely that I thought we were just friends and then someone maybe had a crush on me. That was a little later on, more like junior high. So yes, I had young crushes. I stuck with the same one for most of elementary school and I I was pretty loyal, I think is the answer to that question. Okay. So I think that's so funny because while I definitely always had like a best guy friend who I fell for, I also often had best guy friends who fell for me. The thing is, I just didn't care because I was looking at the guy I was into, right? Right. So like, it didn't even occur to me to think about it. And then like years later, I would find out and be like, what? Really? I had no idea. And sometimes I'll look back and think, 
had I known, would I have given any of those guys a shot? Mm. And I actually think I would have. Um, much as if the guys I liked had known, maybe they would have given me a shot. You know, there's so much that happens at those young ages yeah. that's all about being so afraid um, to put your feelings out there. And like, you know, it's like a stuff of a movie where like they wait a little too late yep. and you make your move a little too late or like the timing is wrong or you should have asked the guy to dance and and then said your friend got there first or whatever. And then like, and that's history. And I think we probably all have so many stories like that, um, whether they would have been ones that would have, you know, made any difference in our lives or just a, right. a story to tell. Mine, I think, was always like the story of not getting the guy that I wanted while probably I play into other guys' stories of me being the girl they wanted, right. if that makes yeah. sense. Well, and think yeah. about how much our friends in those young ages uh, influenced, like, I feel like the experience of having a crush when you're, say, elementary and early junior high is very much enhanced, validated, and influenced by your your friend circle. And for me, that would have yeah. been girlfriends, but it could be, it could be, like, girlfriends, guy friends, because they kind of egg you on. That's who you talk about it with. If someone else has a crush on the same person, you got to go a different route. Your friends are often yeah. the ones that like communicate the back and forth. So it's like there almost are no crushes without peer influence, which is really interesting. Because right. At least my experience later in life is that, that drops off quite a bit. Like you might share a little bit with your closest girlfriend, but like you are courting largely you know, on your own. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm yeah. making broad sweeps here, but it feels like friend, my friends are inextricably linked to my memories of having crushes um, because that's how we processed it. So what I think is really funny about that for me is that in elementary school, my crushes were pure. Like they were not influenced by friends whatsoever. I just didn't have the kind of friend group that talked a lot about boys. And I was also really young for my grade, okay. um, like really young. So my like my female friends that just wasn't some, we just, it, it was, I was on a very different wavelength. So I mostly kept my crushes close in my heart mm, okay. and they were just for me. And they, and they were not boys that other girls would have chosen for me. I don't think um, they were, like I said, usually my buddies. And in middle school, I tried to still have my own opinion about boys and found that that was not okay. Mm. <laughs> like, I was not allowed to have my own opinion about boys anymore because everybody else had such a strong opinion about the boys that I liked that like it actually ended up, I, there was actually some really nice boys that I was attracted to or liked that my friends basically just shut down on my behalf from like between the ages of like 12 and 16. Oh, yeah, I just that think that's, sad. you know, yeah. it is sad. And I think I was super impressionable, but like there is a purity to those early crushes for me where I'm like, I just really, for whatever reason, yeah, you liked, liked that, that boy. Person. Yeah. And why, why? I do not know. Um, proximity, you know, <laughs> uh, familiarity, maybe I, maybe they liked me first. I really don't remember that well, but like, I just think of that such a, like a little golden time when nobody was really influencing how I felt about anybody. It was much later that that happened. And I remember it being a bummer on several occasions, liking someone and feeling like I couldn't like them because they didn't like pass the friend test. Yeah, that is sad. And that stinks. Yeah, but that I think stink. it's, it's universal though. Yeah. It's just, that's just how being a teenager is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like calorie smart protein plus and keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. <laughs> and I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, Sarah. So when we're going to really dig into the embarrassing stuff, I thought it might be fun just to kind of go chronologically through the crushes and boyfriends. We remember, and I know you're a little, um, I don't know, skeptical about naming, skittish about naming <laughs> them by name because they'll all know about it and then they'll talk about you. Um, but like just some details yeah. where, that you know. And then you don't have to include every single one. Like if you were someone who had lots of crushes, like I don't feel like we have to, you know, dig into that bag, the bag of tricks that deeply, but just the highlights. Um, and that we're not going to talk about celebrity crushes right now. That is like a completely separate thing that we'll talk about later. I just want to know people you knew in real life that you developed crushes on and when. Okay. Well, mine might be kind of short because as I mentioned, I was quite loyal in elementary school. Um, but I had a little crush in kindergarten that I explained and I don't know where he went. I think he moved on to another school. Um, and then I oh, had, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. And then I had my main crush from first grade through let's say fifth, because that whole time I had one crush. Everybody knew that was my crush. Um, it was eventually requited. I will say in fifth grade, I know we're going to talk about Valentine's day oh. a little later mm-hmm. on. So I'll save that mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Um, But during that time, I did not really waver, except I remember like almost a crush within a crush. It was like I was like a monogamous, you know, eight year old where I like had the boy that I liked and my friends knew I liked him and each of us kind of liked someone else. And then within that, sometimes there'd be like a few months. I remember like a new kid from Chicago. His name was Mark and I don't know where he went either. So I'll mention his name. And he sat next to me and he had the funniest Chicago accent because I had never heard. He was like, mom, like the like the really flat A's. And uh, funny later, I ended up in Chicago, but I had never heard anybody talk like that. I thought it was so funny. And he was adorable and he sat next to me. So I would almost have like little crushes, but I stayed loyal to my main crush until about fifth grade when it was requited. And in fifth grade, I went from not being very sought after on the elementary school crush list to being quite popular for a very short amount of time. Probably the most popular I've ever been in my life was fifth grade. Well, I know why you were adorable. I've seen pictures of you from then. So, <laughs> well, I, um, I have this memory actually of one of the boys, not my crush, but coming up to me and saying that they had discussed it, the boys, and that I was somehow ranked number two. I don't know if that was like in looks or I don't know. It's terrible now. That's that's terrible. But I, it's a memory. Well, it is, but, but you probably got a little boost out of that, right? I was like, hey, number two, not bad. In what? Not bad. In what? In... <laughs> Overall dateability among, uh, yeah, yes, you know, fifth, fifth grade, grade boys. Dateability. Um, and so yeah. I guess I'll, I'll just finish up by saying I had that one long crush the whole time. It was requited in a very innocent, like fifth grade way that I'll talk about later. And then I did have two sixth grade crushes, fifth, like later fifth, sixth grade crushes that were different. So I think by the end of elementary school, I was finally moving on. And, um, and then in junior high, I had lots of crushes. So, yeah. So I think this is really funny. This, this whole, like you had your steady crush 
and then you had your alternates. Yeah. Um, because I had that same thing. Like I was very loyal. I'll talk about my elementary school crushes in a minute. There were really two main ones. I'm only really going to mention the first one because it's a funny story, but that was like a flash in the pan. It was over so fast. But even while I was, you know, in love with Kenny, who (laughs) we called Kipper and my BFF down the street, Jimmy, um, although he wasn't my BF, is that best friend forever or best female friend? I never know. Well, he was my best male friend and that, so each of those lasted like two to three years. Right. But in between there, I would still develop like mini, like you always had your eye on the horizon because especially in elementary school, nothing else is happening. It's not like you're right. dating right. them. Yes. You just like them. So who cares? You can like as many boys as you want. And for me, that was kind of actually the case for me through high school. I really didn't have long-term boyfriends in high school. I had a few crushes. Some, I went on a couple of dates, but I really just didn't date very much. So it was very possible for me to have like someone I was pining over for years mm-hmm. and then still have like all kinds of interim interests that yeah. would just kind of come and go. And I laugh so hard when I go back and read my high school journals because there are entire life cycles of crushes that I have forgotten that like people that I still know, like I'm still Facebook friends with them. I'm like, wait, I had, (laughs) I had an interest in that person because they don't register in my memory. Like it was a fleeting fancy, but then over through like throughout it, there were the main staples. Yeah. Right. So, okay, I'll go through my elementary school ones that are the most memorable. And the first one is from first grade. Um, this is the one that's just more of a flash in the pan, but it's really funny. I liked a boy named Shane. I remember he was a little toehead. And we sat next to each other in first grade. And I, I just remember, and it was like, you know, you remember the classroom setups where it'd be like long, like three long tables mm-hmm. and the teacher's like kind of at the front. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if they do that as much anymore, but um, we sat next to each other. On the left-hand side of the classroom. Like, I still remember, like, left of the teacher. And he drew pictures of ducks kissing, like, in crayon. And labeled them Megan and Shane. And then passed it to me. And so I was like, oh, I guess this is my boyfriend. So he was my boyfriend for, like, a week. And then I ended up skipping first grade into second grade. But, like, into the class, like, like a month into the year. And Shane got really mad when he found out. And he put me in a locker. Oh my god. Like gosh. he shoved me into a locker and shut the door. And I just think about that like <laughs> like what? And how did that even happen and how am I okay now? I don't know. Like it just is so funny that he was so mad at me that I wasn't in his grade anymore that he like threw me in a locker. Also, anyway. he didn't give you a lot of agency in the choosing of the relationship. He just passed No, you, he just decided. Asked you a picture of kissing ducks. And I'm not even sure they were ducks, really. <laughs> in retrospect, he might have just been a terrible artist and they were people with big lips. I don't know. All I know is that Shane probably needed to go see a therapist and work out some of his problems with first grade six-year-old girls. It, it is not okay to put people in lockers in case it's, there have any children listening. No, this is not all right. <laughs> you never record. do that. Never put Megan in a locker. Okay, so second grade, I developed a crush on a boy named Kenny who we called Kipper. I don't remember why. Like, I don't remember anything about how it started, um, probably on the playground, as these things do. I remember he had like a shock of red hair, super freckled face, and he was always dirty. (laughs) Like, his jeans, like his knees of his jeans were always filthy. I just, I just remember like he was kind of this rough and tumble kid. And for whatever reason, Kenny and I liked each other until like probably well into fourth grade, um, maybe fifth, but I think maybe fourth, like fourth feels like a big, um, turning point, right? Mm-hmm. Like between like little and bigger kid. And yeah. so I, I feel like that was like a second through fourth grade crush. Um, but he called me on the phone once and I, that was definitely in fourth grade. And I couldn't believe it. Like I picked up the phone and he's like, and he said, hi, it's Kipper. Cause Kipper was the name he went by, but like Kenny was his legal mm-hmm. name. And so he is telling me, um, well, he's asking me to go with him. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. Go where? And he kept saying it, like, just go with, you want to go with me? And I was like, go where, where are we going? And I had no idea what he meant. And I finally frustrated him so much. He hung up, he like hung up on me and then it was just over. And I still, I really didn't for quite some time. 
I did not understand where things had gone wrong. Like I was like, where, where does he want me to go? I don't understand this. Okay. So then all that whole time I had lived two doors down from a boy named Jim who I called Jimmy. I guess it's, I don't know if everyone did. I think his nickname was Beagle. I don't remember why either, but anyway, called him the Beag and silly stuff like that. But like kind of into fifth and sixth grades, he and I were pretty inseparable. Like we hung out all the time more than I really hung out with my female friends. And of course, that is when I developed the crush. Right. Um, And he also asked me to go with him. And by this time, I knew what that was. I knew what it meant. But I was so chicken. And I remember I'll never forget it. I was I think on a swing outside my friend Bobby Joe's house. She lived between us. So there was like a yard in between Jimmy's and my yard. And they often had strange things to play in. Like one time they had like a huge Rubbermaid container full of water that we would pretend to swim in, but it was like the size of a bathtub. I don't know. Anyway. And I think, I think they had like a swing set just randomly. I just don't remember. It wasn't there all the time, but anyway, I'm sitting on the swing and Jimmy's like, just go with me. And I was like, I can't, I'm too young. I'm not ready. Like I was freaking out. It sounds like an after school special or something. I know. I just felt I was so afraid it would change everything. And like we had this great friendship and I was this little kid and I just I was really young for my age and I just didn't I just didn't know what to do at all. But then I went to my dad's house the summer between sixth and seventh grades. Um, And I'm pretty sure it was like earlier that year when Jimmy had made his his move. And that summer I watched a lot of MTV and this would have been 1987. It was a very good summer for romantic ballads, Mm -hmm. as I recall. And as I was watching MTV and watching all these videos, I thought, I was so stupid. Why did I say no to Jimmy? He's the love of my life. And so then I was like, I got to get him back. Like, how do I figure this out? And so I spent, you know, the good part of the summer romanticizing and trying to figure out how I was going to make this right and get Jimmy back. But then by the time I got home, it was just too late. Like we were starting junior high and, you know, junior high is when all the elementary schools come together. So there's like a whole new crop of girls. And I was going into like easily the most awkward stage of anyone's life um, for the next two years. And it just never happened. He and I really kind of just, I don't know. I'm not going to say we like fell out of touch or stopped being friends. We just, we just kind of both went our own ways. I think he was a, he was an athlete. I think he played basketball. Um, I was not, it just, we just both moved in different directions and I ended up moving in eighth grade. So it was just like done, but yeah. I always regretted not having given it a go with old Jim because oh, he was a good Jimmy. friend and old I know Beagle. Jimmy, oh, Beaks, and he's on my Facebook. So he'll pop up every now and then. And I'm like, oh, hey there, Jim, what's going That's on? Normal. Your life looks good. It is. Yeah. It's some, it's, it's like kind of cute to look back at now, but I love it. Um, and then, you know, I know for you, you didn't really talk too much about your high school or middle school crushes specifically. Do you want to go into that? No, I mean, well, so what I remember is finally moving on from my five-year elementary school crush, having lots of different crushes in junior high. And then in high school, I had a pretty serious boyfriend the last two years of high school. So the first two years, I yeah, I dated a little bit, had a few crushes, nothing that felt like, I just remember like rotating crushes, a lot more variety in junior high and early high school than like the elementary school fixation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and that's the thing too, things kind of move on and there's just so much activity happening and And so many opportunities, real relationships. Even if you don't have a, a serious relationship, I feel like high school puts you in a pool of people who are learning to have a different kind of relationship than just a crush. You know what I mean? Like, dating mm-hmm. becomes a thing and like, you know, double dates and people have serious boyfriends. And I remember just kind of like, that was like a different world than just giggling with your friends about who you thought was cute. But there was, there was, it's not like a switch flipped. There's kind of like a gradual right. entrance into that world. Yeah. And I think for me, like the whole best friend thing, that dynamic kind of stuck. So, um, that loyalty kind of stuck, but then there was a lot, but there was just a lot more other things happening at the same time, like a lot more other opportunities to, I don't know, to like somebody, I Mm -hmm. guess. Most of them, I don't even remember. I actually went to one middle school. So after I left, um, Sault Ste. Marie, which is where I grew up, I went to another school for like a year and a half and then ended up moving to the place where I went to high school for three years. So 
I don't have as many memories from that briefer, mm-hmm. like eighth, half of eighth and ninth grade. I did have one really good buddy who um, is like friends with my cousin. So I see him sometimes every now and then. And there was a crush there. It was, but it just never really developed into anything. And then when I went to, when I went to the place I ended up at, um, I had two major crushes and honestly, they're embarrassing to look back at. Like now looking back, they were obsessive. Like, first of all, they both were super slow burn. Like I liked them as friends. It took me a long time to decide I liked them as more than friends, but it was kind of like once I flipped that switch, I flipped it so hard right? and could not come back from it. And one of them I actually did go on like one date with, I think it was like, my first real date where like we went to the movies Mm -hmm. and um, it just, I don't remember what happened. It didn't happen. Uh, I think I was rejected in some way. Actually, I do remember what happened. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to hold a grudge, but it was at a cast party at my house. Oh, and after the sound of music. Yes. And I was like in my own house having a cast party and was rejected. But anyway, we won't develop, we won't uh, think too much on that or dwell on that too much, but, but like, I couldn't let it go. I'm not even sure I liked him anymore, but I was just so like mad about the fact that like, it didn't work out, that I couldn't deep. let it go. Well, I yeah. Think, it was like, deep. Isn't developmentally, isn't that kind of a hallmark of like mid teenage years is like things feel world endingly serious. Yes. I mean, that's, I yes. know that's a stereotype of teenagers, but you also have teenagers and that is it's like they're mature to a certain point, but then their inability to see how this is not like the actual end of your like. And there's no you life. can't logic them out of it. It's like right. a preschooler who is having a fit. You can't you can't say, oh, no, like the fact that this toy broke is not the end. It's right. really going to be OK that all they see is that they don't have enough life experience yet to right. know that more are coming. Right? right. So when I finally started to kind of like get over that one. Um, then I developed a friend on like, or developed a crush on like a best guy friend. And that also lasted year. Like that lasted well into college. Um, and so it, it was like, like we talked about earlier, it was that loyalty to the crush while still entertaining plenty of boyfriend sure. material right. on the side. It's just, it's just an interesting time of your life when you can do that. And I think high school is pretty unique in that way. Mm-hmm. Like what other times of your life do you have the opportunity to feel like you're in love with someone, but also date whoever else you want? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it right. Just doesn't really happen. Um, before we go to break, Sarah, I have to ask, I, I can't think of any stories, but I wanted to know if you ever made any overt passes at any of your crushes. And I know you have a story you're going to no, hang on to, I, but I, I think I waited to be pursued when you were talking about the kindergarten kissy game chase. I do remember partaking in such chasing. And I yes. was laughing when you were saying like, once you caught them, what, what would you do with them? Like you didn't even right. really want to kiss them. And I do, I just have very vague memories of chasing on the playground and thinking this was hilarious. Um, and the girls seemed to do the chasing, at least in my experience. But again, I don't think we were after anything. And no, right. I was, I think I was, a I was a, a decent flirt. I think I was able to make my, you know, make my, feelings known in this kind of like shy eyelash batting way, but I was yeah. not very brave. I definitely in the early years kind of waited to be pursued, which is maybe why it took five years for my crush to be requited because I was just too shy or too shy is not the right word, but I was like, I was just being uncomfortable. With yeah. It. I was just waiting. Yeah. I was waiting yeah. patiently. <laughs> so so no. the funny thing is I also, was a waiter. I never, I don't remember making any overt, um, maybe high school. I actually do remember my high school crush getting up the courage to, you know, finally at the age of actually it was after high school. It was like new year's Eve, the year after I graduated or something like that, or Christmas break or something. So like, I was pretty old when I finally decided to just lay it out there until then. I never even was the eyelash batting. Like I didn't even, I didn't even know how to be coy. I was like the girl slugging people on the arm and making jokes and like, (laughs) wondering why the boys didn't like me. And it was because I didn't act like I wanted anyone to, I think like, it's just, it's just kind of funny. Like looking back now, what would I do differently? Probably nothing. Cause that was just me and I yeah. don't care. But, but at the time I was like, well, why? Right. Why Cause you wanted work? them to like you and right. 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So let's talk about some of our other, like the kinds of crushes, right? And our crush styles. So I already mentioned, and we've kind of talked about this already, but I was not like a flavor of the week type crush haver. Um, I really held on to crushes for a long time, except for like the kind of the transient crushes that kind of came through um, in high school. But I'm just wondering if you had like a crush style and despite saying, you know, that I had like the occasional one-off crush and that most of mine were pretty long-term, I am able to really hold on to a romantic interest. It turns out beyond like hope and reason (laughs) and Mm -hmm. all reasonability. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I also never really bothered developing crushes on boys I saw as unattainable. And I think that is a very different style. Like I know a lot of girls in high school would, they would have a crush on the most popular boy or the cutest guy or whatever. I might be like, I might admire them and think, wow, that he's really good looking, but I didn't care. I was way more likely to develop serious attachments to boys. I had already spent a lot of time with, Mm -hmm. I think for me, like the familiarity and comfort, the comfort level was really important. And then that actually made it worse when they didn't like me back. Right. Cause it's not like, Oh, it's not safe. Yeah. Right. It's attainable. Yeah, so it's, it's it's not somebody I could never get. It's someone I, I always kind of thought I would. And then when you don't, you're like, oh. Yeah. So I'm curious if you had like a style. Yeah, that. I think there were a few different styles that emerged. Um, a couple of my crushes, both one in elementary and one in high school, would definitely have fallen under that like pretty much like the cute popular boy that everyone liked. But I still like I still liked them anyway. So like almost the cliche crush. Um, yeah. But that wasn't always the case. Sometimes it was somebody a little more under the radar, like you explained. Um, I think I have always had crushes on people who were pretty different from me. And that's true of like my platonic friendships as well. I'm always drawn to people who are, uh, let's see, a little bit more like free spirited, a little bit more creative, a little bit less of a rule follower. So like I, a lot of the boys I had crushes on were not like, they were not bad, like getting arrested like every weekend or anything. But they definitely were not as much on the straight and narrow as I was. And I think that was definitely because I needed like a little bit, you know, I needed to not be paired up with somebody who was also 
as rigid and rule followy as myself. Um, I just am like having memories of a couple of older boy crushes in early high school where I don't think like it would have been like you and Jimmy on the swings where if they had shown actual interest, I would have been like, oh, no, I I cannot. Like, I remember this one boy who was like I was 14 and I looked 11 when I was 14 and he was 17 or 18 and looked 30 like he had like like a beard and he was in my Latin class and like he was really tall and big. And I was this like, and I don't know that that was a crush or that I enjoyed being kind of like the kid sidekick. And I thought that I would, you know, I kind of flirted a little or like was playing around with this, like, can I be friends with someone who seems so much older? So there was a little bit, I think that was a type also of like getting the attention of someone much more mature, but not really wanting it to be much more than attention, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, totally. And then the final type that I, we have not even talked about, but with your years in theater, I'm sure you have experienced is the crush showmances. on a, well, well, showmances, but you had more theater. So there were more options. Yes. I was a ballet dancer. No, I mean the type of crush on a boy who doesn't like girls. And I had oh. many crushes on boys and later young men who were never going to find me attractive in that way. And I just adored them. And there's sort of like a a growing awareness, um, but I can think back to when I had no idea what was going on and then later did have an idea what was going on and still had crushes on them. So, yeah, there's that. So that is such a, that is such a, I mean, that's story, (laughs) tale as old as time, right? I mean, movies are written with that into the plot line. And I don't think, I don't think I did because I think that, um, where I went to high school, people were still very closeted. Mm. I, I, I would be, I, I'm very curious to know now, like, I can't think of anyone who did theater with me then um, that I would have misjudged right. uh, their persuasion. But now that I'm thinking back to the like summer camp theaters I did, like in a bigger school district area with like more feeder schools coming into those programs and stuff. I bet you there were some, I just don't remember them. Well, I, uh, mine were always a product of the university cause we did a lot of collaboration. Uh, so by the time they were in college, they, they were out and proud. And I still just thought they were so <laughs> adorable. Like, and this is when I'm like 16 maybe. And they're 19. Right. It wasn't like the age difference wasn't that big a deal, but because they were in a university environment in California yeah. in the late nineties, I do think that there was, more acceptance and they were, I mean, they were dance majors. Like, so right, I don't right. know what I was missing, like what, what kind of signs were missing, but many of those crushes over the years. But isn't that funny? Cause I think it shows you how, how really crushes are not necessarily about romance at all. Mm-hmm. They're, they're often infatuation or admiration yeah. tied up in these conflicted feelings. Like you don't know what to do with it. So you think, you're in love with them, but really you just think they're great sometimes, you know? And Mm -hmm. even if you know that it's not a thing, it's not going to happen. Um, you can still crush on them. I mean, I just think there's lots of ways to have a crush. So, um, well, that's a great segue actually into the next, um, question for you. And you'll go first on this one, Sarah, which is, did you regularly develop like crushes on celebrities or musicians? And this is like typical, like just the most classic, you can't have them. So why do you bother? But maybe that's why you bother. Yes. Uh, There's no risk. (laughs) Yes. Well, okay. I would say, yes, I thought I wasn't ever super into music. And so actually, except I, I had some guy friends and boyfriends who were musicians. So I remember crushing on real life musicians, but not famous musicians. Cause I just wasn't like a rock band groupie type. That wasn't the type of music I listened to. But movie stars for sure. And I watched a lot of movies between like age 12 or 13 through high school. And we've talked on the show how I was like a little pop culturally delayed because my parents were really strict about what I watched. So I, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch 90210 or Melrose Place. And I was like kind of deprived until probably seventh or eighth grade. And then I really consumed a lot of, of movies, especially. I loved going to see movies. So I can remember many I don't think crush is the right word though. You know, I, as looking back, I just think I had a very specific type of actor who I thought was so cute and would just want, you know, want to watch them in anything, but crush, I never like had posters on my walls or like, 
did my binder with their face. Like, and I didn't think, like, I didn't dream about them at night. So no, I, I started out saying yes, because I remember like Jonathan Brandis in the soccer movie, Ladybugs. That's so embarrassing, oh, but he was so my cute. Goodness. Um, and then later, he was very cute. <laughs> later they got older. Like I loved Tom Cruise and he was, he's 20 years older than me. And I loved, yeah. I don't know who else. Um, but I don't think the way some girls have movie star crushes, I don't think that's really how it was. It was more I just thought they were really, really cute. But I didn't um, right. pine the you way. Could admire, you writing, admired them. Yeah, I was not writing fan letters or like they weren't keeping me up at night. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, this is like why crush is such a weird word because what does it even mean? And and I think um, I, I have never been someone to have fangirl tendencies. Like, that's just not me. I'm not someone who has gotten so into a band that like, I follow them around the country and like have their, you know, save all their press clippings and things. And I know that's a very specific interest that a lot of people have. It's, it's pretty universal, especially like in middle and high school. And I just was never like that. Like I liked who I liked just enough. Like I listened to their music, but that was about it. But I have like three specific, um, three specific exceptions that I remember really well. And I, it's, I'm laughing so hard that you're talking about Jonathan Brandis because that just shows your age. And for me, what, who would have been like the equivalent at the time that I was like in seventh and eighth grade was Fred Savage. Uh So I just think if you were listening to this and you're like 35, maybe you're thinking, what are you? Fred Savage was like a heartthrob. Let me tell you what, if you were like a teenage girl, you know, in the, uh, Woolworths magazine section in 1989 or 1990, all you would see was Fred Savage. He was on every cover, Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, all of them, every month. Because sometimes. of Wonder so, Years at that time, right? Yes, because of Wonder Years. That was what put him on the scene. Yeah. And then that, you know, got him through probably his teen years. And then he went on and did a lot of other stuff. And I think Fred Savage is great, but like, he doesn't come across as someone now no. who would have been like a heartthrob then. And he totally was. So I wonder if it was like, it was almost like your initiation into even the concept of a heartthrob. It's like, it didn't matter who was on the right. magazine. It was just, it was just Fred happened to be the boy du jour. For the record, uh, Ladybugs is 1992. So you were 14, right? Yeah. You were just ahead. But that would have been, that would have been too young for me though. You know what right. I mean? Like right. there's right. that subtle, yes. that subtle like cutoff. <laughs> yeah. And Jonathan Brandis was like a cute little guy, but like not, yeah. he was not my age range. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So the three exceptions I remember um, are very, very diverse. So the first one is Davy Jones from The Monkees. Okay, that's my mom's Um, crush. And that makes no sense because my mom's 25 years older than you. Well, this is why the story is funny. (laughs) So in the 80s, Nick at Night brought brought back The Monkees TV show and aired it. And I was just getting really into Nick at night. Like I watched so many old shows uh-huh. when Nick at night was like a big thing in the, it was like the mid to late eighties. Like I'm going to say 86, 87, 88 in there somewhere. And so when I was maybe even a little bit earlier, maybe like 85. Um, and so like around the age of eight or nine, I developed a huge crush on Davy Jones, not knowing those shows were like 20 plus years old That's so at that funny. point. I thought Davy Jones was still like in his 20s because that's how he looked on the show. And then the monkeys did a revival tour. Oh, no. <laughs> I think actually this, I think it was like 86. Like the, the monkeys had a revival tour. It was right around the time their show started being on, on, um, on the networks again in syndication. And they, well, yeah, it was like 1986. They had a couple singles out. Like they were hot again for like a brief moment, right? My family is big into monkeys culture. Like we have every album. Um, I know probably every deep cut monkey song there is. I've, I saw them twice in concert with my, well, the two remaining yeah, live I remember ones this now. Yeah. with my brothers and sister um, a couple of years ago. So like we're big fans, but I was a little kid. I had no idea. Like you could have told me they just cut this album yesterday. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known the difference. And I saw a magazine. Actually, I think it was like the back of a Cheerios box. Like, like, this is like a deep dive now. But I pull up this Cheerios box, I'm pretty sure. And there's a picture of the monkeys now. Oh, my God. Like, with all their tour information. And I'm like, but he's old. (laughs) That was when I realized that Davy Jones was, you know, by that point, probably in his mid-40s. And I was so sad. Like, I really took it hard. 
Um, and then the other two really quick, the guy from the obsession ad, probably like 1990. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know who that guy was. Uh, I don't know who the model was, but I, that's the only poster I've ever put on a wall. That's funny. Cause like I only that. remember thinking Christy Turlington was so pretty in those. Cause that's the same series yeah. of ads, right? Yep. I, I think was so. looking at her. <laughs> well, I just, and I, it not only was he on my wall, actually above my bed, the bedroom I had was like the second floor with like one of those weird slanty ceilings. Uh-huh. And I had the poster on the ceiling above my head, which was only like four <laughs> feet above my head. And I would just lay there and look at it and be like, I don't know something about, I just, something about the shoot, something about the black. And it was like black yeah. and white. I yeah. think. I mean, and, I, I very much remember the look of that whole. Yeah. Campaign. Yeah. And I think it was just like, I was 13 and an awakening to the idea that like the male physique could be quite lovely to look right. at. Whereas before I had not cared. So right. yeah. And then I had a little fixation on Shaquille O'Neal for a while. Okay. I just, so I, I just saw this in the outline and I'm dying um, <laughs> because it's so random. But also I would, I had an obsession with the NBA in general when I was 12, oh, 13 years old. So okay. I had a poster of Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal was a big deal for a he few was. years there. And I had his poster, but I was more into basketball in general and the NBA. And I loved David Robinson of the Spurs. And that was David Robinson was my NBA crush. But I'm cracking up that Shaquille O'Neal was so, your celebrity crush. I didn't care anything about basketball at all, really. I mean, I was aware of the NBA. I, you know, I, I would like, I like kind of followed along. Um, but I always just thought he, first of all, he was like, seven foot tall. He was like a giant. Seven two. I and think. I was intrigued yeah. by that. Yes, me seven too. Seven two. Okay. And I was very intrigued by that, but he also just had the nicest smile. I just remember thinking like, he just seems like a guy who would be a really good boyfriend. <laughs> and that's all. Like, I don't know. Other than that, yeah. like that was my shack attack. Is, <laughs> I don't know. It was just, that is amazing. he was a really big deal. And he was in a, he was in a movie about being a genie, or maybe uh-huh. this is one of those like no. things that we all think was real. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is not the Mandela effect because I know we can have a whole show about the Mandela effect at some point. We'll but link there's, to that article. Yeah, it's either Sinbad or Shaquille O'Neal that was in a movie about a genie, and people mess it up all the time. I think it's. Shaq I actually think it was it. Sinbad. Okay. Well, well, we'll solve that mystery later. Anyways, I know we need to move on, but um, yeah, that was my that was the most recent celebrity crush for me. Okay. So, all right. So it wouldn't be a childhood crush episode without some embarrassing stories. So so before we get into like the most embarrassing stories, let's just briefly talk about Valentine's day. I know you have like a major win that happened on Valentine's day. And the, um, the whole reason I started thinking about this episode topic was because I was at a antique store not too long ago. And I picked up some like vintage 1930s and forties Valentine's. And first of all, it's like so cute because they're all from like Gladys and Ethel and stuff like that, which is adorable. But also you can totally tell that some of them were filled up by someone's mom. Like the, because the handwriting is so lovely and perfect. And like, it just doesn't seem like, you know, Bob actually did that in second grade, but it also got me thinking about Valentine's day in elementary school and how I know for my school and probably most um, of us who are in this age range, anywhere from, you know, twenties up to forties, were kind of like, you just had to bring everyone a card. You didn't get to choose. Yeah. Right. But there was like a party. So everybody got a card. And then in high school, my school did carnation sales and cookie deliveries and like all these different things were by which you could bestow favor Mm -hmm. on someone. Um, So I'm curious how seriously you took like which Valentine you gave to which person and how did you participate in those things? And I'll just go briefly and say, I had so much angst. like. You would buy a bottle, uh, a box of the Valentines and there'd be four different messages. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And then you'd want to make sure that your crush got the most meaningful one, mm-hmm. but then you didn't want any other kid to get that one because then it would have taken the meaning away. Right. So there weren't enough Valentines left in the box if you were too picky. So sometimes I'd ask my mom to get like two boxes and then I could cherry pick like which ones I wanted to go to whom, or I'd like draw a silly little doodle on my crush's Valentine to make it more special. But then I was still too shy to say anything overt, like I would never put X and O. Right. Well, and remember like choosing the conversation hearts, like they, they couldn't yes. say something embarrassing. And some of them were like right. downright racy. I don't even remember yes. how, but like, it, but yeah. no, they were, they were. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the whole other thing with the, um, 
when they were coming back my way, I remember like a crush giving me a card and like, you know, I'm just giving an example here. It would say you're ducky, but I really wanted the one that said like my heart quacks for you, (laughs) you know? And the funny thing about it is I bet those boys spent literally zero seconds thinking about it. Zero. Zero seconds. I mean, same thing with all the, like the high school carnation sales and all those things. Like I spent so much time and money strategically figuring out who to bestow these upon and like what message to put that was just like struck just the right tone. And I promise you, no one thought about it. Well, you were, you were a communications professional in training. You understood (laughs) like that well-chosen words can make a difference and you, you know, Mm -hmm. you were a writer at heart. Um, well, we're, we're not like, we've skipped over the big thing for me, right? Which is that Valentine's day is my birthday. So this is a very loaded childhood experience for me. Um, in many ways. So yeah, I relate to everything you said about choosing the right Valentine's, um, anyone in the class who knew it was my birthday and like scrawled a chicken scratch, like, and happy birthday on the little square. I just thought that was like, it wasn't even a crush thing. I just immediately liked them better because I, I spent most of elementary school feeling like my school birthday experience was overshadowed by Valentine's day. I never really felt that after like sixth grade, I I enjoy having a birthday on Valentine's day, but in elementary school, everybody else got like kind of their own, not party, but like their mom would bring cupcakes or treats or whatever to the class on their birthday. And mine was already this giant party. It was, you know, overshadowed. So, right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I guess the point is in general, there was a lot of angst and thought about how much I was getting paid attention to on my birthday that was also Valentine's Day. That's, that's oh. a, like, do you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of complicates things. It complicates yeah. things. Like I wanted to feel special beyond the classroom parties. And I also actually really thought it was special to have a Valentine birthday. So I wanted like, I wanted people to know it was my birthday. I don't know how else to explain it. And that is both crushes and non-crushes. I just wanted like, I wanted to be seen. Um, but my, my like, victory Valentine story is fifth grade when I was popular, when I had had the same crush for five years. Um, my crush gave me a Valentine uh, on Valentine's day that said, will you go around with me? So I guess in California, (gasps) we were saying go around with, not just go with, it makes no more sense than yours. It's still, (laughs) it still means nothing. And then it said, PS don't tell anyone who would tell my mom or my dad or my sister. So it was both the crowning achievement of being requited, but also please don't tell anyone. But also like really kind of, you know, not the best effort. I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I don't want anyone to know. But actually I do remember some other in the, in the weeks and months that followed, that was a very sweet little fifth grade romance. And I think there were some other cards or like a little poem or something. I was, I was floating above the ground with that requited crush. And then later in high school, I had some very romantic Valentine, you know, gifts and I was very spoiled. But what's funny is I never thought about doing anything for anyone else on Valentine's day. And I'm still a terrible Valentine because it's my birthday. So I don't want to do it. I don't want to romance anyone else. I want it to be all about me. I think Valentine's Day is a huge disappointment for most people. Agreed. Honestly. And so I can't, like, I'm sure, actually, I do think Kenny from fourth grade, second through fourth grade, I believe in fourth grade, he did give me a slightly more romantic Valentine. And I don't remember now what was special about it. I just have this kind of memory. Other than that, I would say most Valentine's days for me have just been just kind of another day. Like I just, I don't really remember any, including when I was married, including when I was dating people. I just don't really remember anyone ever quite knowing how to go all out on it, you know? And it's it's almost like when, when one does, whether that's like young adulthood or high school or college, it almost feels like, uh, I don't know how to say this. Like, it's like almost cringy in a way. It's like, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Which is why I highly recommend being born on Valentine's Day because it is a festive time and there are there's chocolate and wine involved if you yeah. wish. Um, it is very hard to get a dinner reservation, I will say. Like every year we're like, God, not in COVID times, but like we just want to go out to dinner for my birthday. And like, oh, yeah, so does everybody else on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I have a memory of eating really crappy steak at a Chili's. <laughs> 
while pregnant on Valentine's Day because we didn't make reservations. I was so grumpy because when you're pregnant, you just want to eat a good steak, right? Yep. So, yeah. But I, if anyone could just go back in time and be born on Valentine's, I think that's a good strategy. I recommend it. Okay. So we've got one last question. Um, that was, a, you know, we talked a little bit about embarrassing stuff and basically this whole episode has been kind of embarrassing, right? <laughs> but let's talk about really embarrassing or like dejecting crush memories. And Sarah, you can go first on this one. I just feel like I have so many. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll choose wisely. Okay. You go first. We were talking about this before we recorded, I think yesterday, and you told a story that reminded me of this story, but I'll tell mine first. And it basically involves like thinking someone's going to say something nice to you and then realizing they're about to say something mean to you. It's almost like out of like a snarky Disney show or something. Like it's like, oh, it, anyway, yeah. but um, in sixth grade, it was the fashion. This was 1990, 91. Um, so bike shorts as fashion were a thing. Bike shorts and yes. perhaps a uh, hyper color t-shirt or some oh, other yes. like t-shirt. Yeah. And um. I wore bike shorts a lot. I think I just had like three pairs and I just rotated them and then I would wear a t-shirt over them. Um, but I was not probably paying very much attention to the way my butt looked because I was 11, right? So I'm still like a right. kid. And a boy that I had a crush on, not the first through fifth grade one, but a, a sixth grade crush, um, came up to me and said something about VPL. Do you know what VPL is? And I did not. And it meant visible panty line. And it basically just meant you could oh. see my underwear through my bike shorts. A little boy a, said that? Yeah, uh, my crush said I that. I mean, that's something I've read in magazines, right. but I didn't know it was called a VPL. Well, I <laughs> oh will never gosh. I will never not know that. And I don't know exactly Aww. how see-through we were talking. My guess is that you could literally just see the seam of my underwear right. as one does because the, everyone's wearing bike shorts as fashion. This is an accepted like casualty of bike shorts as fashion is you're well, going to see underwear. I'm sure he was looking for something to comment on too. It's not like yeah. you were egregious. Yeah. In your panty was, line. You know what I mean? Oh, I my goodness. was mortified. Um, that that is, is the terrible. one that came up. And you know what? Later, I think he and I even, I mean, sixth grade, you don't really date. But he and I palled around a little bit later in sixth grade. I think he even requited my crush, but not in that moment. He was pretty mean. Or no. it's also possible that was kind of toward the end of us palling around a little bit. And he was like, oh, I think that, that was might like the be final true. blow. Yeah. Like he started to be mean to me. And I was like, well, I guess this is over. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So that's the only oh one I goodness. remember. I'm sure there were other embarrassing things for sure. Ugh. That's the one I remember. That's really, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, okay. So I have three and I'll, I'll do the, the first two pretty quick. Cause they're just kind of silly. So remember I talked about Jimmy earlier in yep. sixth grade, a new girl moved to town. Her name was Regina. And I swear to you, maybe it was fifth grade, fifth or sixth. I swear to you, she was like seven foot tall. She looked like a woman. And much like you, when I was 11, I looked like I was seven, right? So there was very, I was outmatched in every possible way. And she took an interest in Jimmy and I thought had stolen his heart. I'm sure, I don't know. He probably just was confused and didn't know what was going on. And yeah. one day I like somehow wound up tag-alonging home with them from school because he just lived two doors down from me. And I wound up like walking with them. And it was super awkward because I could tell she wanted me to bug off. But like, I couldn't because I was walking in the same direction. And she referred to me as a child and I just wanted to die. Like, I just remember being so, so embarrassed and just wanting to die. And, you know, I'd like to punch her. Um, yeah. Seventh grade. I went to a dance where a boy who I believe was named Sean, but I can't really be sure. I, I don't really remember. Um, agreed. This is all by proxy, but through a, through a proxy, <laughs> agreed to be my boyfriend at the beginning of the dance, then avoided me throughout the dance and then broke up with me through a different proxy at the end of the dance. Oh, that was fast. And I actually think he thought it was a different Megan. Like, honestly, oh gosh, I'm thinking so he got himself in. It was like, oh, wait, no, not her. And then like took the dance, the time of the dance to think about it and then figured out a different friend who could break it off. But it was such an embarrassing dance because I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, my first middle school, junior high dance. I'm going to have a boy to dance with. And then he wouldn't even come near me. And so it was awful. That is it was terrible. terrible. And then also in either seventh or eighth grade, there was this boy in my class who was so cute and he was kind of a jerk. And like, I have 
very other specific memories of him being a jerk, but he was so cute. So it was one of those like fleeting crushes. But he came up to me in gym class, which this is the first time he'd ever approached me, right? And talked to me, which so I'm like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. Oh my goodness. And he <laughs> said, hey, do you know that um, you're my treasure? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I, I just found treasure when I found you. And I was like, oh, what? And I'm like embarrassed and blushing. And he said, yeah, because you're sunken chest. Oh, first of all, that's, that's horrible. It's a great burn. However, I was extremely flat chested. I, like, again, I still looked like a fourth grader and it was in gym class and he was super cute and popular. And that's I traumatic. really, that it is was like so out of a traumatic. Movie. It was awful. And I was like really awkward and like, didn't know how to talk to boys or anybody really at that age. And like, he just called me out to make fun of me in the middle, just in front of other people too. Oh. So it was a great burn, but he really got me. And I would like to punch him as well. I think I'm going to yeah. go find my yearbook and figure out what his name actually was and, and go find him and punch him. That is, I mean, he deserves a punch. Seriously. Even if it's 30 years later. Yeah. But good burn. I mean, oh. like it's a witty joke but it makes me sad. It just makes me sad thinking about little me because yeah. I was just so dumb. Like I just, I didn't even know that this boy walking up did not want to talk to me to be nice. You know what I mean? Like that was the, yeah. the real clincher of it. Like you give people that, um, that like open hearted, like, hi. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. just got totally slammed. Oh man. I would never go back to seventh and eighth grade, but no. I do feel like this was a little bit cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I laughed funny. a lot. Me too. I, I think Me too. <laughs> I, I thought of some stories we didn't even tell. That's what that's what these memories are like is you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that other time. So, yeah, very fun. Yeah. Well, I suppose um, we should tease up the next real episode. That's not just us talking about our, you know, middle school and, and elementary school crushes. Yes. Well, let's do that. And anybody who's stuck around this far, we love having these silly Sundays with you for the More Than Mom episodes. Um, but coming up on Tuesday, we are going to be talking about food and feeding our families in this 2021, which turns out we're pretty much 12 months into a pandemic. So we we love to return to the theme of feeding a family several times a year because turns out they always need to eat. And our homes are always evolving in terms of how we're meal planning and grocery shopping and dealing with constant snacking. And there's just a lot different this year. So now that the holidays are behind us, we're going to talk about feeding our families coming up on Tuesday. So Megan, this was fun. Thanks for putting this together. And we'll talk to everybody soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour.